Howdy. We record most of these several weeks, if not months, ahead of time, so we don't always stay current with what's going on in the news. But Logan and I would like to pay our respects in regards to the passing of Chuck Yeager on December 7th. We did discuss him in our Right Stuff episode, and our thoughts go out to him and his family. He was 97 years old. And just a quick content warning, this episode does deal with abortion. So if that is not something you want to hear us discuss, then you might just go ahead and skip this episode. Though we do try our best to be as delicate with respecting all opinions on this issue. Today we're talking about another 2007 film that is definitely not on most people's radars because it is a Romanian film about abortion of all things and it is called Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. I'm willing to bet this is a film you had not seen prior to this. I had not seen it and I had never heard of it, um, okay. but I did really, really like it. This is a really good movie. It is a really strong movie. It's a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. and it's just intense and depressing on a million different levels, and I really did just want to include it. Like I said, we're trying to deal with a lot of these social issues now that we're in the, the 20th century in our timeline, and I don't necessarily want to hash out the abortion debate, but I did want to at least talk about how this is an issue in the world today, and specifically this story deals with them being illegal in communist Romania in the late 80s. And so basically it focuses on two friends. One is seeking an abortion, which is illegal. So they have to do it the whole, you know, quote, you know, the quote unquote back alley abortion. That's what we're yep. following these young girls is they're trying to procure. And then her friend who's helping her through it all because the girl who's knocked up is just not equipped to handle anything, frankly. Right. And what the movie does, though, really, really strong is. You don't know anything I just said as you're kind of following along with the movie. All you know is, oh, these girls are talking. These girls are living in a dorm room because of where they're going to school. And they're talking about something they have planned. And the way this movie unveils information, reveals information to the audience, I thought was very, very strong. And both what the audience knows and then even what the girls find out when they finally get to the hotel and the guy they've got to come and perform the abortion and I mean, this is, I guess, spoiler alerts for a movie that most of you are never going to watch, but they just assume, okay, we brought cash, we asked our buddy, like, this is what they usually cost, and we got the money, don't worry. And the guy, without saying it, basically says, I don't want your money, I just want to sleep with both of you, and then I'll do it. Right. And it's like, and oh my gosh. He says, he's like, what did you think I was going to do? Like, risk going to prison for 10 years for 3,000 bucks? Right, and right. Then and then you're kind of like, it's like, what what's he saying and then as the conversation right, goes on, it, he doesn't ever actually say it he doesn't ever actually say it exactly no, no one says it you just like oh this guy is a creep right and but he's also very he's it's basically yeah, ultimately it is coercive rape but at the same time yes he gives them every possible out he's like you can walk away at any point you can walk away whenever you want i can leave right now i don't that's fine he's like he's like he, he's treating it like such a business transaction where he, he will perform right. one abortion for, for two sexes please like yeah. it's just so yeah. so like you said so creepy it's just oh god it's so disgusting it's almost it reminds me of the guy from casablanca Oh yes, the Claude Rains character. It's kind of the same, it's yes. kind of the same yeah, kind of the same thing. Only in Casablanca, because that movie was made in in nineteen forty one. You know, 
it's a little bit lighter. It's more obscure. Here, it's like yeah. more obvious. But and there's... here, it's, oh man. And that's, but that scene is so good. Like, it's such a powerful scene in, in, in this movie, um, that scene in the hotel room. And that's one thing that, like, this, it kind of, uh, this movie does really well is it's, it's just one day. It just takes yep. place over the course of one yep. day. It's almost real time. Yeah, darn near. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of, of cuts, you know, where a, you know, a, a few minutes or a couple hours will go by, but it's, it's almost real time. The two, uh, these two girls experiencing all this, but right, it's probably a six to eight hour window when all this is happening because they're kind of going from yeah. morning to late afternoon at the dorm, and then they kind of end when they're late night, you know, at the back at the hotel eating dinner or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. and the whole movie happens between then. It just they do pack so much in. Just like, the girl that's not pregnant, how the relationship with her boyfriend and everything's tied in, and she has yep. to run real quick to, and just the tension that this movie has. With basically zero budget. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's low quality, but like you can just tell, like, there isn't much to this film. It's all character driven and the filmmaking is very strong and just the tension that they're able to create. Like, and of yeah. course, here's what's also messed up. I was confusing it in my mind with another movie that is another Eastern European film that ends with girls at a hotel and one of them ends up dead. So I was 100% convinced that when she left, she was going to come back and find her friend dead at the hotel room because there's yeah. another movie where that does happen. And I was convinced that it was this movie because I'd seen this before. What movie was that? I think that was Lilia Forever. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. Where that, that was the one we were going to have on here, but it, it, it's not available online anymore. But it's not available anymore. Anyway, and that movie, is that's the human trafficking one where they kind of come oh, back right, and the girl's right, right. dead in the hotel, hotel room. And I had conflated the two. So I thought 100% she's coming back and her friend is dead in the bathtub having bled out. Because they said that was a risk. Yeah. With He basically has to yeah. just like not move and stuff. And so yeah. even though I'd seen the movie before, I was convinced it had a even worse ending. Well, and, and they do, in this movie, they do a kind of a little fake out. She goes down to like the front desk or whatever and then comes back up and she's not answering the door. Right. And she's like freaking out. And then the, the lady from the hotel walks away. She's like, oh, your friend's in the restaurant. Right. But like, you know, for that, I don't know what it is, a minute, maybe 90 seconds. It's like, oh, like she died. Like she's right. in the hotel room dead. Right. What's she going to do? Right. And at that point, you're still only like 80 or 90 percent convinced. I was 100 percent because I was confusing with the movie. Oh, right. Because yeah, I'd, yeah. Already, I'd already seen it before and still forgot the ending. Yeah. Let me let me go back. I do. I, we haven't been technically in Romania before either, so I did want to give a brief rundown of Romania and just kind of how it ended up with on the communist side of things. Well, you did uh, you did the Dracula movie. That's correct, in Romania. correct. So yes, and uh, that's kind of where I was going to start. So yes, we were we were technically in Romania before with Vlad Tepes in, and Wallachia. That is part of Romania today, and Transylvania is part of Romania today. And what I probably didn't mention then, though, is or back then is... So they've kind of had a lot of different people controlling it as well, you know, from the the nations to the Romans, the Visigoths. And then anyway, yeah, so then they're kind of wedged right in between Hungary and the Ottoman Empire. And then, you know, the you know, Austrian-Hungarian Empire and Russia were kind of squeezing them. Finally, in 1881, you did finally get a sort of version of modern Romania. It was quite a bit smaller until after World War One, when it kind of was basically the same size it is today. But then following World War Two. It became communist and kind of a satellite state of the Soviet Union and was communist until just a few years after this movie takes place. And, you know, from like between 89 and 91, they kind of transitioned from fall of communism to establishing a 
republic like they have today. And uh, what something I guess I just kind of missed, and it should be obvious because the name of the country is Romania. I somehow missed that. I I think I assumed that that part of Europe is all these Slavic languages, but Romanian is a Romance language like Spanish and Italian. Really, and I completely missed that. And no, right? It's like this country is called Romania, so it kind of makes sense. But again, we just assume it's Slavic. But there's even a, I even saw a YouTube video. I didn't watch it, but like a YouTube video even called Romanian the Forgotten Romance Language. I'm like, oh, huh. okay. So yeah, that's the one we always forget. I haven't heard a lot of Romanian. I guess in this movie they're speaking Romanian, but it didn't occur to yeah. me that it had that same kind of syntax. I guess because accents and stuff change a lot of that how you view a language a lot of time too. Also, what we kind of see in this movie, and then it'll also come up in Goodbye Lenin, but just the poorness of these communist countries. And I really didn't get a chance to deep dive into why exactly was that. And, you know, they struggle under the communist regimes to give basic resources to their people. And the movie does do a good job of, of showing that world, showing that, especially in that first the first scene of the movie. Um, I, I don't know if it's the very first shot, but one of the first shots is a relatively long take, maybe a couple minutes of her like interacting with the different people in their in their dormitory. And, you know, she's like trying to find, I don't know, one of the girls and she's, you know, talking to her friends and then she walks down the hallway and goes to the to buy uh, like cigarettes and Tic Tacs and stuff. Right. So that, I don't know. That was kind of cool. And I don't think I mean, I don't know. I wasn't alive back then but i don't think that there was necessarily like an equivalent to a living situation like that in the united states where you live you know because that wasn't like a college dorm right that was like i mean those everybody there looked like they were in like their late 20s early 30s like it was just that's just where they lived yeah i kind of went back and forth on that in my mind i think initially i thought it was just a poor crappy apartment and then they call it a dorm so i kind of started assuming college because the girls did say they were in college but then i think just now back to your point no, I think it's called a dormitory because it's a slum-style apartment where you do have to share a restroom with everybody, but it yeah. is just your apartment. And so I think you're right. right. Yeah, I'll have to look up some other time as far as why why were all these countries so... You know, think of like, you know, Soviet bread lines and all that kind of stuff. And uh, um, Because America was awesome and the Soviet Union is the bad guys. That's why. <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's just they just had their economies themselves weren't that. Yeah, I guess I don't know. You don't have a lot of economic growth if you're trying to control too much, and that's where even though I'm not, I definitely recognize the flaws in capitalism. But at the same time, you need at least some capitalism, or you can't have enough growth. Or at the very least, like right, freedom. Like right, there, it was just so totalitarian. I think that there is you know not a lot of. Uh, there's not a lot of incentive for economic growth, especially like when you look at um, Dr. Zhivago when, oh, you're rich. Yeah, we're going to kill you and take your house. And uh, or even if we don't kill you, we're, we're going to take your house and, you know, there's going to be like 50 people living in it now. Right. So everything just becomes subsistence. And, and honestly, there's probably a lot of bureaucracy involved in trying to control everything. And then that, that probably has its own costs associated with it. I don't know. We're kind of just guessing at this point on that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about abortion, I guess. Uh, this isn't something I did a lot of research on for this. I actually did. Uh, well, I, I didn't do like a, a bunch of in-depth research, but uh, I learned that abortion has been around for a long time. 
Well, no, because even, even even like when Game of Thrones makes references to like uh, oh, milk of the poppies for it's the uh, for pain. The abortion one is moon tea. Moon tea is basically mm-hmm. Game of Thrones because of abortion, but like that has historical basis as well. That women have been trying to terminate pregnancies thousands of years BC. They were you know there was uh, you know techniques. There are references in ancient writings to uh, to abortion techniques, but I I had no idea. I thought it was like late 19th century, the earliest. I'm almost certain the Bible has a reference to how to perform an abortion. Really? Let's uh, actually quote that passage if we're going to say something like that. Drop that bomb. <laughs> oh, okay. So there's a, it looks like in in the biblical book of Numbers, there's a reference to something called the ordeal of the bitter water. And one of the interpretations is that the bitter water or the bitter potion reference is some sort of substance or agent that would cause an abortion or a miscarriage. So basically it's like a, when like, you know, like you would see it like a witch trial where they're like, Oh, well, you know, throw the witch in the lake. And if she floats, she's a witch. And if she sinks, she'll die. But at least we'll know she wasn't a witch type thing. Mm. So it's like this, it's like a trial where if, a woman is suspected of adultery. You give her this bitter water, and it will cause a curse if she's been adulterous. So I guess right. one of the interpretations of that is if your wife cheats on you, you make her drink this you know, potion, this concoction. If she has a miscarriage, then that's how you know that that baby wasn't yours that, type deal. That might be it. But yeah, it doesn't explicitly say yeah, that, but that's okay. one, of the, okay. one of the interpretations for what that actually means. But yes, to your point, it, it's it's been around for a long, long time. You just kind of think it was maybe something that took modern medicine to catch up with. But no, that's just right. more of the probably safe version or reliable version. Yes, exactly. And again, it's always the issue to two I come back to where it's going to be continued to be debated because at the end of the day, the two sides of this debate are not fundamentally looking at the issue with the same lens because right. it's... You know, the one side is obviously focusing on the rights of the mother, and the other side is focusing on the rights of the unborn child. And they're both right from their own set of facts, which I hate to say set of facts, but like, if it is a person, well, then there's something to be said to that, the rights of that person. If it is not yet a person, well, then the rights of the mother mother trump. And then if it is a person, this is where it gets shady. It's like, okay, that person has the right to leave my body right now then, please. Right. It's Yeah, that's when you get into things like, you know, the right to bodily autonomy. Even if you do consider the fetus a person, you know, pro-choice argument would say that, you know, the mother, even if the uh, fetus is considered a person, they should still have the right to terminate a pregnancy if they don't want to be in that position more it's kind of like the argument where oh you you know you are hooked up to a uh, person a fully grown person and you guys have your kidneys hooked up because they're in kidney failure do you have the right to to basically unplug yourself from them if you want to right type thing. and most people would say well yes because i right. have that right and even right. a lot of pro-life people would say that and that it's a little bit of right. cognitive cognitive dissonance and Obviously, we kind of have right. our own opinions about it. And I don't necessarily need to go too much into it. I always just come back to, yeah. you know what? Maybe women should not be government-controlled incubators. Sure. And <laughs> I would agree that that is a a harsh opinion if you believe that it, at conception is a fully 100% human being with right. the full full rights of, of human. That, that's, that's a little harsh. 
But and it's not even necessarily it's not even necessarily just a two sided issue either because you have people that fall all along a, the spectrum. You know, some people are like you should be able to have an abortion anytime you want for any reason you want, no matter what. Other, you know, the other side is no abortions ever under any circumstances. But there's a ton of stuff in the middle, like well, no, unless it's before this time, or right, no, unless right. you know. Which there's actually a, if you look on the Wikipedia page for abortion law, there's like this chart, and it has the columns are like the different reasons for which you might get an abortion like uh, the mother's life is in danger physical health mental health uh, the fetus is a product of rape or incest there's you know uh, medical issues with the fetus or just i i want one i i want an abortion you know abortion on, on request and then there it shows like which countries which uh, abortions are allowed in that country so i have like check marks mm, on which okay. which reasons you can uh, used to get an abortion in different countries around the world. Oh, interesting. And we mentioned Angkor Wat in Cambodia, and here's a from 1150 AD depiction of a demon inducing an abortion by pounding the abdomen of a pregnant woman with a pestle. I'm like, Jeez. what the heck? Um, so yeah, the viability thing has also been a lot of times a legal benchmark, but then they also talk about as medical science progresses, that viability threshold and again, by viability, it just means can the fetus survive outside of the mother? And with right. as modern technology and medical technology advances, that number is going to get closer and closer to conception as far as what right. that viability is. And I think it's been I think it's been 24 weeks for a long time, and now it's getting closer to 21 weeks. But who's to say in 20 years it's not eight weeks that there's actually a right. possibility for viability yep. outside of the mother? Again, which is why it's going to continue to be hotly, hotly debated. And again, it's tough. Again, I do think probably men put in their two cents far far too often and need to let you know the actual women who can have babies be the driving force behind policy or at the very least just be educated on what pregnancy entails what abortion actually entails you know what actually happens in each of those situations like right you know, you, and you can find example of this all the time like lawmakers or you know congressmen who are asked questions or make statements about uh you know pregnancy or abortion that are just like just so far off base like it's right. almost comical in certain right instances. let's get the women and the doctors and the scientists in on this and the the biggest the biggest one is partial birth abortions which yes are horrible but are almost if not entirely exclusively done in instances where again it's either the life of the mother situation or it's the fetus is already going is already basically born terminally ill or something like that or with right. some major defect and you'll have the you know the the people who argue like they basically want to argue in the margins like they want to argue basically use super limited or you know tiny instances to paint the entire issue because one percent of the time this happens we need to get rid of the other 99 percent right. like 90 92% of abortions or something like that happen before 20 weeks. But right. yet, you know, act, when you, yeah. when you have, when you see abortion debates, a lot of the time it's, it's pushed to, and, and honestly, both sides do this because you'll see someone who is pro-life will say, well, you know, I'm against abortion because just look at how horrible partial birth abortion is. But then on the other side it says, well, I'm, if you're saying that you're against abortion, that means that you want people who have been raped to have to carry the child of their rapist. It's like, that's also such a tiny percent of abortions that happen. And, and again, it, it, is, it is complicated, too, because we always talk about, like, okay, so, like, if you wanted to have a black and white 
place to draw the line on when a per- when a you know conceived embryo or conceived egg or whatever a fertilized egg becomes a person there's two places you can draw the line you can draw that black and white line at conception or at birth but i think that's probably just the wrong way to look at it and a the the process right. it's a process of becoming a person that takes time and there probably is no one moment where you became a person and again i'm guessing it gets tricky if you have a strong religious faith where you're like well, what about the soul and all that and i'm like i guess i just have to say well yeah sorry science and the law don't really deal with that well and even when you're talking about the argument of well i should be able to have an abortion because of bodily autonomy like when you make that argument, it all, it doesn't even matter if the fetus is considered a person or not. You're right. That becomes a whole separate issue. Like you right. can still consider you could still consider a, a fetus a, a morally equivalent to a fully grown human, like a fully grown adult human. Right. But when you say, "Well, I should have the freedom to choose whether or not you know I want my body to continue to support this being that is uh, morally equivalent to a fully grown human." The whole "where do I draw the line for life" argument uh, doesn't even really matter, right? And and too much too. The the comeback to that is always just like, "Well, they should have thought of that before." Dot dot dot. And I uh, I don't even know where to to go with with that. I, I yeah, yeah, and man, I don't. People don't willy nilly just get abortions for the fun of it, and I think that's a huge misconception on the pro-life yeah. side of it. It's a serious decision. Yeah, it's, it's the whole walk. There was even a song about that. It's the whole walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Yeah. Or, and again, I get it though, too. Again, if you fully believe that a person but is then the counter person, to the counter yeah. argument, the counter to the counter argument is, well, even if your actions are directly responsible for that fully, you know, morally equivalent human being reliant on you, even if that is the case, even if you got pregnant on purpose, that shouldn't take away your right to bodily autonomy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which and <laughs> uh, yeah. no, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the other comparison is uh, the whole uh, you you are the one you are the one kidney donor in the whole world that will save this other person's life, and you will still be able to live just fine with that. You don't need two kidneys; you only need the one. So, yep. can the government force you to give up that kidney to save this other person's life? And if you say no, that person dies. No, they can't, like you said, because of bodily autonomy. And now, again, that's what they'll say. It's like, well, but I wasn't involved. And then I was involved from the beginning with the pregnancy. But the bodily autonomy argument, to your point, is still there. And again, going back to Dr. Zhivago again, I think we talked about this in the episode. Can the government tell you, like, oh, I have this schooling as a doctor, um, but I actually want to go and be an artist. I don't want to be a doctor. Can the government say, no, you need to be a doctor? Because you need to help save lives. Right. Like people are going to die if you don't be a doctor. Right. Should the government be able to force you to do that? Right. Because you and you, yeah, you have you have the potential. You're you're this brilliant brilliant person who would make a great surgeon. So we're going to make you be a surgeon. But no, you have yeah. you have that freedom. And I am aware that those arguments don't fully map onto each other. But Correct. it's just a different. Because you can way say the right to swing your it. fist into the tip of my nose. Well, if my nose is in your uterus. <laughs> sure. It's complicated, and we're yep. not super comfortable talking about this. You can probably tell, and we're not trying to proselytize anybody to our opinion. Especially because I've I've never had to deal with this. Like, Correct. I've never been, you know, I feel like it's also, like, something where you need to, like, watching this movie made me super uncomfortable. Absolutely. Because I was witnessing something that I know I will never have to deal with, but... I know that there are 
millions of people that have had to do with that exact same thing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I always say I'm a pro-choice person who would never advise someone I knew to get an abortion. Health aside, I guess, if there's health issues aside. But I mean, if you guys, if in my personal opinion, I would not want anybody I know to get one, but it's not my decision. And they have every right to make that decision. So, right. Again, again, yeah, safe, legal, and rare. Yeah, this is not a, it's not a a black and white two sided issue. There are so many different viewpoints and that people are extremely passionate about more than any other debate probably we have, we could deal with. So, yeah, we wanted to address it. If you get again, this, this movie does address it in a way that honestly i would say it's not really a pro-choice or pro-life movie it's just a movie about women in this situation and yes they're having to seek the situation on uh, outside of legal means because it is illegal i but... think uh I, yeah i think you yeah you could almost you could use this movie as a as an example of of both like you could say you know you could use this as an example yes. of well, you should be pro-life because look at how horrible, look at how traumatic this experience was. Like whether you have this experience in a hotel, in a seedy right. hotel room right. with a guy who tries to rape you or a abortion clinic, like either way, it's going to be horribly traumatic. You should, we should never have, you know, women that need to go through this. But at the same time, you could use it as an argument of, well, because abortion wasn't legal in this country, look what these two women had to go through. They could have just gone to a clinic and had this done, but instead they're forced to, you know, endure all this hardship and, and pay all this money. So, right. No, you're right. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. And probably a good note to end on, I guess <laughs> we don't need to dwell. Yeah, here I, much I longer. think this is, this is for sure a movie vegetable. I think people should yeah. definitely watch this yeah. movie, but I don't know that I'll ever rewatch this movie. Uh, it's kind of one of those ones where, yeah, I, I don't know what it would take for me to, to rewatch it. Maybe showing it to somebody else, but like... Yes, yes. It's, it's a very tough watch, but it, it, an important movie, definitely a movie vegetable. Wasn't nominated for the Oscar for foreign film, but was nominated for the Golden Globe for best foreign film out of Romania. And yeah, so again, it's tough. I would say regardless of what side of the debate you are on, be respectful to the other side and just realize that they're approaching it from a completely different worldview than you are and just i think just be considerate of that so yeah okay so yeah we'll see you again tuesday with tana